Want to join the revolution in coverage of the Associate game? You can become a patron of Emerging Cricket from as little as two US dollars a month. To sign up, log on to patreon.com slash emergingcricket. Today we catch up on news from around the world and chat to Irene Van Zale in Namibia. Hello and welcome to another Emerging Cricket Podcast online and on Sport FM in Perth. I'm Daniel Beswick. You'll hear from Nick Skinner and Tim Cutler in a few moments' time when they chat to Irene Van Zale in Namibia. But first, some news from around the world. The Nepali Tri-Series with Malaysia and the Netherlands begins this week, with the hosts taking on the Dutch on Saturday at the TU ground. Sunday sees the two neutral teams face off, with the double round-robin T20 International Series finishing on the 24th. For TV coverage of the event, make sure to check the rights for your region. Meanwhile, the general meetings of the Dutch board have concluded with outgoing chair Betty Timmer announcing that the Men's Super League series with Ireland in June will be the first Dutch home cricket broadcast live on cable television in the country. Among the other moves, new chairman Jürgen Delfos announced a shift in the competition's task force with the top men's and women's competitions beginning in May. Despite this, a 12-team top classer and an 8-team hoofed classer has been met with debate with clubs in the second tier bemoaning a lack of competitive matches. The Mid-Atlantic Zone has romped the first ever USA Cricket Under-19 National Championships, defeating Southwest Zone by six wickets and with over 11 overs remaining. Yasir Muhammad and Aditya Sharma claimed seven wickets between them, with Saeed Mukamala and Chaitanya Parwal compiling 50s to see their team home. And finally, the Global ICC Development Awards will be announced next week, celebrating the work of the game's 92 associate members in growing the game of cricket around the world. Regional winners of all four awards are nominated for the Global Gong. For more news, log on to EmergingCricket.com. That's all the news in the Emerging game this week. Coming up, Nick and Tim chat to Irene Van Zale in Namibia. Hello, I'm Norman Vanua. I play for PNG. I am a bowling all-rounder and you're listening to the Emerging Cricket podcast. <laughs> this last week, we've seen a lot of cricket in Namibia with the men's bilateral series against Uganda and the conclusion of the Richelieu T20 franchise event. But there was also some women's cricket being played over the weekend, and that was the intra squad matches. So we're taking a closer look at the women's uh, cricket scene in Namibia, and who better to tell us all about it than our special guest, current <laughs> Namibian women's captain Irene Fanzale. Uh, welcome to the Emerging Cricket Podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, you went early there, Nick. I was so used to us ooing first, but you got the introduction in. But uh, uh, you're it up, Tim. <laughs> the, the, these guest hosts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bez, Bez usually hosts, so uh, yes. Um, now, uh, just to, to start off, Irene, tell us a bit about your personal story in terms of you know getting into cricket and uh, you know how you found the game. I know it's a very tight-knit cricket community over in Namibia with you know, a lot of family connections. Yeah. Uh, well, basically, I was in primary school um, when two of um, the playing Namibian guys um, start an academy. Uh, so they visited the primary school and and obviously invited everyone to join. And I ran home that afternoon. I'm like, uh, to my parents, I need to join the academy, although I was basically the only girl at that time. I don't know what they thought. Um, so I started up and in the beginners um, division, obviously, played along with all the boys. I think I was one of one of the only one or two girls that was part of the, 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 the academy. 
um, worked my way up and then just gradually, you know, played with the boys because there weren't really any girls playing. And then just from there on in high school, we had a, a girls team when we had uh, inter, inter schools. You played against a few of the other girls um, in the neighboring uh, towns. And that's how everything basically started. Um, that academy, I believe, was a couple of the 2003 World Cup team members. You know, obviously, that was a while ago, and you know, you had to play with boys because there weren't any girls uh, to pl- to play with. So, how how have things changed over the last sort of almost 20 years since you were running home, desperate to join the the cricket team? Well, obviously, um, the the girls, the the number of girls joining cricket has obviously. Um, exploded a bit, if you can call it like that. Um, it's not uh, this little stigma anymore that girls don't play cricket. It's only a boys' game. Um, so it's um, it's really been improving a lot. That the squad, even with us, is improving. It's not just about um, yes, you're in the team because there are no other players. So the the, the base is really it's really coming up. The development is really going well. Um, so it has really improved gradually uh, with the work being done by Cricket Namibia and all the development officers and ladies, uh, the uh, coaches being being brought into the game um, from our team as well. There are a few of the, the girls uh, doing coaching. So it's really been, it's been going well. And what was your path into the national team, you know, and, and staying with the national team over a number of years, um, obviously starting in the school teams and, and going on from there? So basically, in when you played in the school, it was just my basically to enjoy the game. Um, it was not that big of a serious thing. But my pathway basically started when one of the, the ladies coordinators contacted me to say, I was just back from, from my studies in Stellenbosch, when she contacted me to say, listen, we've got a ladies team being invited to Uganda. It was one of our first tours there. We're getting a squad together. Are you keen? Um, obviously, it was a good opportunity for me. Said yes immediately. And that's where it started. My, my pathway into the national squad. Um, and from there on, yeah, I've been lucky and privileged to be part of it. So how do you go about balancing that with working and you know, having a life? Obviously, you're not full-time professionals in the national team for the women. Yeah, that's always a bit of a challenge because obviously the majority of us work and the others study and at school. So you you work seven, eight hours a day, then you, you head off to training. Every bit of time that you've got extra, you try and get to a one-on-one session. Weekends, you've got jam-packed with games. Um, it is a bit of a challenge, but again, if it's um, if it's a passion like I've I've enjoyed it for for how many years, then you enjoy it, and it's not really such a burden on you. Then it's just more of an enjoyment and getting better at it every day. So I guess recently, role skipper, senior figure in the team, that means extra time, doesn't it? What are some of the the more rewarding aspects you're seeing as you're spending more and more time on that role over the years? Um, well, obviously, your own go- game grows. Every day. Um, it's still, I told the coach the other day, it still feels for me like I'm learning something new every day. Being a part of the game for how many years, it's not like you're on top of the game every day. There's always difficulties and challenges. So, but just being, yeah, obviously being rewarded the captaincy again is, is was something special. And now you just want to take it that a bit further and actually having to compete internationally, which obviously COVID has made a bit difficult. But for me, it's not so much the captaincy. It's just about leading a group of ladies who enjoys and, and loves the game that you also love and enjoy. Um, and just seeing how everyone develops and grows and enjoys it um, as much as I do. 
So how's that changed over the years? I guess you, you are one of those senior players, but you're still seeking mentorship there. Much sort of greater support team now with, with more and more players? Yeah, definitely. Also, we've had a few, you know, every two or three years, there's a new coach, which also brings in a new dynamic to the game. Um, every coach has their new set of um, input and, and things they bring about, which also helps. And I think it's just about being... Um, you know, some of the senior players also around you, that's a little bit of a, a group that you, 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 you gather around. That's what's, you know, it just helps you a lot to, to grow as a player as well. So I find that quite an interesting dynamic. You know, you, you talked about how you've seen a lot of coaches over the, you know, your time as a Namibian women's player. What's it like coming in as, you know, you've been in the team for a long time and you know this new person's coming in with their own ideas of how they want to do things so how do you sort of manage that uh, dynamic as a as a senior player uh, and you know coaches trying to do their own thing i think obviously as a senior player you must always be open for for new developments and and someone new bringing in new ideas i think that obviously just develops you as a player instead of being shut and, and just on this one road um, with, a, with a simple mindset or mentality, I want to say. So it's always about being open to, to change and uh, adapt to, to how they do things. And I mean, it just improves your game. Everyone brings about something new and something yeah, broader to the game. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's worth it to just be open for the possibility to, to learn something new from, some, from a new coach. So you've got a, a coach employed full-time for the first time ever with Francois Vandermeer coming uh, recently. Well, what changes have you seen in that time? Um, obviously, he's been yeah he's been with us just um, a little bit under a year now. If I've got my timing correct, again he brings a new dynamic in, into the game. Like um, we need to be fearless and just go out there and express yourself. And I mean he's been with the Northwest Province um, for quite a few years, um, so he does have the obviously the experience that he brings to the game. So it's been nice working with him. He's very passionate about about ladies cricket. Um, so it's really been been good having him around, um, bringing his new ideas, a new form of cricket that he wants us to play, which is obviously about showcasing what you've got. Fearless, don't be scared to hit the ball. Um, so it's really been it's, it's been good having him around. So is that something that the women's team struggled with in the past? Maybe being a bit too conservative or defensive. Um, you know, we've always been, um, everyone hits the ball quite well. Um, I think it's just sometimes um, it becomes a little bit of a men mental block when you get out there just to go and express yourself. Um, I've had that, obviously, I think, I think every player sort of experiences it some other time. It's about, and that's what he's trying to, to get through to us is basically just to go out there and enjoy the game. And if you make a mistake and he knows that you try to execute a certain shot and it doesn't come off, then, you know, you go back to the drawing board and you work on it again. Um, but just to, to go out there and be fearless and express yourself the way that you do in the nets. Because um, obviously you, you play the way that you train. So it's um, just about, you know, getting the girls to, to go out there and express themselves and enjoy the game instead of being stuck, um, feeling like you're not enjoying it at that moment. So you, you mentioned the women's scene has um, been built up significantly over the last little while. What's the talent pathway in Namibia for you know a, a good women's player? Where does she go if she wants to go from playing maybe school cricket to getting into the national team? Um, currently, we've, since uh, Francois came along, we've um, he started an academy so for all age groups. Um, which there was a bit of a, a, a gap in in, in that vicinity. 
Um, so I think that's a good way to start, even from beginner, advanced. If you can play some cricket, obviously you join there. So I've always felt that there's maybe a bit of a gap because sometimes our players need to, from a very young age, you're put into the senior squad instead of going up the ranks under 15, under 16. But because the development, it does take a bit of time. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, so sometimes the, the younger girls are a little bit exposed to the, to the senior squad, I feel, instead of going up the ranks under 16, under 19. But because we have the limited numbers at the moment, it's always a bit of a challenge to um, to get everyone going through the right levels and, and age groups and everything. But I think that's where he comes in again with the development and the academy that has started. So every girl who really wants to play and, and eventually join the senior squad can go through the academy. And there's always um, the school's cricket. It's That's going quite well. Um, we have a few ladies um, at the club teams, I think at least four um, at the moment, which we're obviously trying to get bigger and, and improve the numbers there. So, yeah, I think it is going in the correct in the correct pathway. Something we see in so many nations, isn't it, Nick? You know, so many interviews that we do and, and stories across of people, of or well, the girls at the time, playing in, playing in senior teams, you know, yeah. 11, 12, 13-year-olds playing international cricket, which, you know, with the new rules that have come in, theoretically, you're not going to be allowed to until you're 15, but I know that you can still be, you can still play under application. But that just shows to me how important that under-19 Women's World Cup is going to be as well for that, mm. the support of that structure as well. It must have been frustrating to hear when that was, that was delayed. Did you have any plans in play? Place of getting an under-19 squad together and, and working towards that? Or were you still waiting for news as to when it was going to happen like, like everyone else? I'm not quite sure at that stage if we would have been able to send the under-19 team. So because a few of our under-19s obviously play with us in the senior team, I, I can't be sure whether Namibia would have been able to send the under-19 team. Um, obviously, you want them to be strong enough and be able to compete um, and I think we are at the moment sort of building up a nice group of, of, of ladies who can be, be in an under-19 squad. But I think it's, yeah, it's still maybe going to be a year or two to just um, get that age, uh, that team up and running. Well, I guess that the d- delay will help then, won't it? It'll give you just that extra time. So so anyone else is thinking, oh, oh dear, you're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like when you, you, you have your homework due, but then the teacher changes the due date and you're, you're like, you hadn't started it. And <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's crazy though. You sort of, until you start telling the stories of someone like, you know, Catherine Bryce of talking, you know, how long that she's been captain and how long, you know, she's 21, but been in the team for 10 years and had been captaining the under 15s while she was in the national team as well. It's sort of, it just, I guess it's, you know, it's, it's just a symptom of the fact that, you know, as you said, there's not many players around, but just interesting the the kids that are being thrown into an adult world, really, and having to learn the life skills as well, playing, you know, senior national cricket as well. It must be amazing to see that these kids come along in, in leaps and bounds by, uh, next to you in, in the team over the years as you've been young and come through and then and then seeing them grow as well. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Do you, do you see your role um, as the captain as sort of being a bit of a, a mentor or a you know a, a, an adult figure in a very young team to you know try and guide these women in a um, I know Tim likes to talk about pastoral care mm-hmm. um, you know in, in other aspects of their life you know not just cricket yeah definitely I mean uh, some of them when I mean you help with uh, as you say like life choices and experiences and stuff Um 
you um, always encourage them to, to be active in school and to, to do homework and listen, can we help you with this? Or if you need a lift here and there. So it's, um, it's not just about captaincy. It's about, like you said, like a sort of a motherhood role. <laughs> um, just um, help them and guide everyone, um, especially the youngsters who at that point in time is still at school or who need some, some inspiration and guidance on uh, when they're studying and they can't seem to, to get things going and struggle a bit, um, and to make that work, studies and, and cricket and everything. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's more than just being a captain. It's like being a little, yeah, a mother, as I, as, as I quote. <laughs> <laughs> so, as, as the team mum, you know, how does, how does the team prepare and train and work around their lives and, you know, do you have um, weekly training sessions, daily training sessions? What's the, the routine? So basically, um, we, we try and train five, five times a week. So from Monday to Friday, um, if we have games on a Saturday or a Sunday, we'll have the Friday off. Um, and then you also have uh, two gym sessions within that four or five day uh, training schedule. So it's, it gets hectic, you know, and then also to sort of slot that in with work, with studies, with a personal life and everything. Um, it gets hectic, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's what you put in. It's it's what you're gonna get out, and 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 the team that you're gonna be at the end of the day, if if you put in and the hard work that you need to. So, how do you see that the commitment? I think as that time has has probably increased over the years, and the professionalism. Do you see that being a struggle for players, especially the younger players that are dealing with school and and again growing up in the world and friends and 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 everything? Yeah, I mean, it gets it gets challenging, you know, because um, um, if even if you're if you as a dedicated person, it really gets um, mentally it, it it pulls you down a bit, um, and you have to um, decide, you know, what is important. But I mean, it's, it's just about balancing uh, priorities and, and getting everything straight. I mean, even if you can't join the two-hour training session, then at least you make an hour um, just to sort of get everything into place in, during that day. Uh, and that's always where you try and obviously as coach and captain and players and communication is like, listen, I'm struggling today. I'll make an hour or tomorrow I can't do it. But then the next day you put in an extra few hours. And I think, again, that's where the passion for the game comes in, because if you really want to do it then you sort of always try and figure out a way and today's struggle is tomorrow's reward so i think that's how you you need to look at it we we both noticed some of that passion when we were in namibia you know we we were at the world cricket league two tournament sitting on the balcony at the wanderers and we we saw you guys um you know training as the sun was going down and and you know still keep going so obviously that commitment is is definitely there one of the things i've noticed uh, this is a sort of uh i found this interesting as a wicket keeper is is that the keeping gloves often get passed around in the squad and a lot of the keepers bowl you know i've seen uh, kayleen green and um Yasmin Khan have both bowled a number of overs and uh, they both held the gloves. So what's, what's the thinking behind that? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're sort of starting to, to just try and have one specific keeper in, in Yasmin um, because you also with T20 being, you know, a time thing, you need to always um, think about how to save some, some time in your 20 overs. So basically with them and also Yasmin being a bowler, she hurt her back a few years ago. Um, and that's where we also started to think, you know, let's just make her a keeper batsman um, and not put any strain on her as a bowler. And then sometimes when you when you really need Kayleen with, with, with bowling, that's why we also thought, well, instead of passing the keeping pads around and after 10 overs, you need her to, to bowl or whatever. 
Um, so you just we wanted to simplify that, and that's being implemented now. So Yasmin is, is now the full-time keeper, um, and and Kayleen being obviously a, having good hands as a keeper is valuable in the field as well. And then you can use her as a spin bowler. So now we're well, we're not going to be out of COVID for a long time, but in terms of being able to train together and look forward to the next qualification campaign, how is how much more have you been ramping up and and looking forward towards the the, the next event? Yeah, I mean, I told Francois the other day, it's like you've got this itch, you just want to get going now. Because, I mean, um, you've been training and training and uh, at some other stage you want to get going and actually do something now, you know, showcase what you've been doing in the nets the whole time. Um, so we've had a few games, um, like the Easter weekend, we were actually at the coast. Uh, we had a bit of a, a training camp there, like an inter-squad, we had four games there. And then last weekend was um, now with the, the franchise inter-squad thing. Um, so now it's basically um, still four or five times a week and you try and get as many matches together as possible as a squad with um, the I think the, the qualifiers is in, in September, if I'm not mistaken. But obviously, before that, you want to try and, and play um, as many matches as you can. Uh, so there are a few things in the pipeline, uh, which obviously COVID does complicate a little bit with bio bubbles and all those things and extra costs being involved. So a lot of us are really like, we would just want to get out there and just play some decent cricket because um, inter-squad games are, are nice, but you want to you wanna get going into the, to the real thing. I can definitely uh, identify with that itch you mentioned. You know, we we want to be going around covering these tournaments, and so I can't imagine how much more it is being the actual players wanting to get on the field and and show what you can do. I'm just sort of wondering, you know, how do you keep your motivation? You mentioned you have your training and and you want to be playing matches, but how do you keep your motivation in a long time of of not actually being able to play in international cricket? I know there was that series that you you had planned against Zimbabwe, but that obviously got called off because of the the COVID situation as well. So it's been well over a year since you you've last played international cricket. Yeah, definitely. I think that's where the the whole um seniority of some players in the squad come in because if you start um you know showing some some negativity and and lack of of um getting to training and stuff like that it obviously implicates the the younger players and then that's where you I almost want to say your mental toughness comes in um because then it it really comes down to just grinding every day pushing through and then just obviously you you hope and you wait for 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 the best so it's yeah, it's it's the dedication and the mental toughness that that sort of gets you through every day, and then weeks weeks pass by, and then hopefully, you know, you just wait for that for that answer to come from yes, we're going, or there's something lined up, or whatever. So we saw Botswana host the the men's qualifier, uh, the Africa region qualifier a couple of years ago. That was on a synthetic wicket. Will that be the same for the ladies tournament? You're going to be playing on, on AstroTurf and uh, concrete wicket the same? Um, it seems like that's going to be the case. Um, I did hear the past weekend that they, they are or oh, there has been a, a turf um, brought up next to the synthetic one. I, I haven't been in Botswana myself, actually, but the word seems to be like it might be on the concrete surface, which is, to be honest, not my my preferred one, really. But I mean, if it's if it's a way to play and to get qualifiers out there going, um, then you'll go for it. Yeah, because we, we watched your stream on the weekend playing on the, the main wicket there and at Wanderers. Like, I guess how will this change the team's preparation then? Because if you're doing all this prep on, on turf and you're going to be playing on a synthetic wicket, what will that mean for the team's prep? Um, generally, uh, we 
we also practice at the wondrous nets, those concrete nets. So it just basically, you know, I think sometimes it's just about a mindset. Um, you just need to, to um, take it ball by ball. Obviously on the concrete, uh, nothing is going to keep low considerably or bounce considerably high. So it's just about taking it ball by ball and not really focusing on, on what you play, but just how it comes to you. So it um, obviously when you move from concrete to the turf, that's where your change comes in. But I think I don't, I don't think it'll be that much of a, of a difference to, to us. To us, I think it's a, a, a. I'm not going to say it's a two horse race. You know, there are 11 teams in this competition, but um, Zimbabwe, after after missing out last time, the qualifier when um, Zimbabwe cricket was suspended by the ICC, which which gave you that great opportunity in, into Scotland for the the global qualifier. How do you see do you see those conditions giving you a better chance against Zimbabwe? Do you think or, or what? No, I don't. I don't really think so. Um, I think at the end, at the, on the end of the day, it's, it's it's what you do on the day that counts. How you use your chances, because obviously they're, um, yeah, I mean they're obviously having more turf wickets than we have um, turf nets to prepare in. Um, but I don't think we'll be blinded by the which wicket you play on or which surface. Um, at the end of the day, it's it's how you how you take the game and and chances that you've been been given. Now you you mentioned a little um you know a couple of minutes ago the women's intra squad stuff that you were doing and I watched a stream of that um the the desert roses and the savannah acacias you you called the teams um is that a bit of a sort of a, a trial run or a proof of concept for any plans going forward for for women's franchise series because I know the uh, Richler domestic T20 competition was quite a success so I'm just wondering if there's any any ideas for a, a women's version. Um, definitely with um, Johan Miller being CEO, he brings quite, quite a, a new innovative um, way of thinking about the women's game as well. Um, so there was an, a, a plan initially to have four ladies teams, but obviously you want to keep the level of competition um, up to a, a proper standard, you know, especially with things being live streamed and everything. And then we just decided we don't have enough players at the moment to field like uh, four proper teams. And that's why we decided to just keep it down to, to two teams at this moment. Um, eventually, I'm pretty sure that in the next few months, even next year, we'll be able to, to get together at least a third, maybe a fourth team. Um, and then you can have like a little triangular, uh, which can run part of the, the franchise or even our own um, standing one. So you mentioned Johan Muller. I think we were all impressed with the work Well, ever since he started with, with what would you call it when he went on the uh, the road trip around around mm. the country, basically taking the game out to well every town that possible and looking at growing the women's game? Is you hope some of that growth is going to come in in regional communities? But is there a is there still a, a big geographical challenge there in getting all the players together? If that's the case, and you're talking about sort of growing this franchise concept, you know, have you seen any fruit of those labours or those those road trips yet? Yeah, definitely. There are some some. Um Great players coming along, especially in the Ochu area, uh, which is up further north. And then um, at the coast, obviously, which is um, one of our main streams, I want to say, is where uh, a lot of the girls also come from. The geographical thing does become a bit of a factor, especially if you have one or two girls um, in, in a town where the coaching is still mainly focused on, let's say, boys and men, and you're the only girl playing there, then it is a bit difficult to sort of get into the system because, I mean, someone is not, you're not always going to have a specialized coach there for yourself as a girl. So you sort of need to try and now join up with the boys and 
from my own experience, you know that it's not always the, the nicest thing to do because you want to play with your peers um, and, you know, you want to feel like you're actually part of the game. But I mean, this um, uh, road trip thing is really, you can definitely see that there are, are girls coming through um, and even more girls are starting to play cricket, which again, I mean, in five, six years time, um, they can be your under 19s and, and become part of the senior squad. Do you find these girls are coming from other sports or is this mostly their, their first participation in, in team sport? Um, generally, it's um, their first participation. Um, so it's they basically are told about cricket from the start. Um, some of them do actually at school level play a, f- a few sports, um, but then they, they do generally uh, tend to, to, to move to cricket only. It is still a bit difficult for, for some of them to sort of uh, leave uh, a netball or hockey or whatever just for 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 cricket, especially when you're still in the school setup, because um, then you're sort of still a little bit confined to to the school rules. I almost want to say, um, but generally it's um, it's good to see that some girls are are coming through um, only for the for the cricketing ranks and not um, coming from from athletics or hockey or netball or whatever. So you talked a bit about the difficulties of being a girl wanting to play cricket in a, a town where maybe there's only a men's team. I'm just thinking about women's sport more broadly in Namibia. Where does cricket sit within the women's sporting landscape? I know obviously Namibia is big on soccer and you mentioned netball and hockey as well for, for girls. So where where's cricket in all of that? Well, I think obviously in the last few years, it's grown quite a lot. However, I would say uh, obviously hockey hockey with, with women at the, in Namibia is quite a, um, a popular sport. Um, and then, um, yeah, athletics and, and netball. So I would think base cricket at the moment would be like maybe lying number three or four. It is the, the development again is, is really, it's just growing and, and the, the guys are doing a great job. Um, so who, who knows within the next few years, um, I think hockey and cricket might be competing with one another for, for the spot. And looking at those road trips, which obviously they're, they're great in terms of you know, bringing cricket around the country. W- what does Cricket Namibia leave behind after the road trip? You know, are there coaching programs or you know, uh, any, any forms of administrative support to help you know, local teams develop and, and spring up all around the country rather than you know, having to have the central Cricket Namibia people come and set everything up? Yeah, generally um, in a lot of the towns, there are um, development offices. Um, and then obviously there are a lot of coaching courses being held regularly throughout the year to try and get as many coaches going throughout the schools, uh, throughout Namibia. Um, so I think that development um, platform is, is, is doing quite well. Um, you have um, people playing cricket in, in some towns that you didn't even know, you know, exists or um, where cricket players will come from. And then generally, um, like Cricket Namibia has um, given art, little artificial these flicks mats or um, something that is easy to quickly roll out on a surface and it makes um, a game, you know, quickly um, uh, possible. Um, so whereas obviously I think um, facilities are in, in some of the more out-located towns are not always the best. Um, so you want to, to make it possible for, for every girl and every boy to, to play wherever they are. And then again, that's where your, your development is. It's, I think it's really going well to, to get the game out to as, as far, far as possible. 
it's funny, just as you're talking, I remember us doing the same things in, in Hong Kong with flicks mats and giving them to, to schools. And it's because we couldn't find facilities, but for much different reasons, because there's no there's no free land. <laughs> there's a lot of space in Namibia. Yeah, exactly. But I was just saying the juxtaposition of that using the mats for the similar reason, but in such different situations. And, and one thing about Hong Kong, well, and, and I guess women's cricket around the world, it's as it grows, it seems to be a, a much better leveler, both where those players are coming from, I guess, for you in terms of out in the, the regional centres. You've seen that in the women's team as well. Do you see cricket as a as a real object and vehicle for change within within Namibia as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it just shows you that um, we we as women don't need to be confined to a specific sport or to you know to only do something specific. We had the deputy minister of sport um, at at the, the inter squad game on on Sunday, and she was like surprised how how we can dive around the field and that were so many yeah, <laughs> ladies playing and there were two ladies umpires and. Um, I mean, so it really, you know, it sort of opens up um, people who don't know about cricket and girls who who might have been scared to join the game um, because it's, again, perceived to be a men's game. Um, so I think it's just um, with us who, who keep going and the development keeping um, going strong, it just shows you that this is a game for everyone to be played. Yeah, you don't have to be scared to to be labelled or, or whatever. That it's, it's not your type of game to, to play. Well, yeah, by the sounds of it, I wouldn't be surprised if you get more female cricketers out of the, the roadshow. I kind of ran you both down a path saying road trip. You got both in your heads. Like the roadshow that was <laughs> was done, I, I, I don't know. That's that's my prediction for that, you know, that the uh, the female programs are going to be a lot, a lot better off because I've just seen and, you know, the Thailand story and Indonesia and, and even uh, what's happening in the UAE. I think once you kind of light that match and there's an opportunity for girls to really latch onto something and a, and a bit of, well, the, the confidence and amongst the teams and, and a chance to express yourself in a way that you've, you've never been allowed to before. I, I really look forward to seeing the, the sort of fruits of of that. I thought it was really such a, a simple idea, but it just seemed to do all the right things in all the right places and hit all the right notes about getting getting the sport out there because, you know, we know how successful Namibia is, but it seems that a lot of Namibians probably don't understand how successful their cricket teams are and, and the opportunities that are there down the road, the more people that get involved too. So I think yeah. it's really ex- exciting times. Yeah, no, Definitely. Um, I, I'm just sort of wondering about this, and I, this is, you know, I'm, I'm prefacing this by saying I'm, I'm not trying to put the men's team down at all. I, I know they're trying very hard, but more of the black African population is represented in the women's team than in the men's team. You know, look at players like Sylvia Shehepo, who's the leading T20 wicket taker. And, you know, Tim, this is something you talked about a bit uh, in terms of Hong Kong. The the local um, or the indigenous component seems to be having a bit more success on the women's side all around the world. You know, think about Mexico, think about Thailand. Just there's always, It always seems to be doing better on the women's side. And you know, I, I'm just wondering why that might be. Well, if, if I could think about it, I think it's in the way that it, it's maybe been developed. So as a, let's say, a young white white boy in, in, in school cricket, um, that's basically what you do. Um, I think with um, other cultures, they would normally have played soccer or, or something like maybe rugby like that. So I think where we as the, the ladies, it maybe it, it, it came from the development. So obviously the development um has got a thing to do with, with with that, which obviously helps that your your black players get get uh, quite a good opportunities 
in different areas of, of Namibia, instead of like, you know, first being introduced to another sport like netball or hockey, um, then you start immediately, you, you get into the cricket scene. Um, and that's why, especially at our coastal areas, um, there are quite a lot of the, 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 the non-white players really coming through. And I think it's, again, obviously they started from a young age, whereas it might be, have been different with, with the men in, in the way that everything started for coming through for them. It sounds like it's it's about getting in early and, and you know spreading cricket before any other sport can can have time to, to take hold. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Because, I mean, as a, as a young uh, a white boy in, in school, you first go and play rugby. You know, that's like the, the, the Afrikaner thing to do is to play rugby <laughs> instead of cricket. And uh, I think, yeah, that's why where we are maybe like a bit more um, advanced or, or like uh, lucky that, that, that the cricket is, is getting to the girls at an early stage. And, um, you know, just, just bringing it back a bit to those links between the men's and women's teams, you know, there's there's a lot of family connections. I think of obviously the Green family with Kayleen and, and Zane and uh, Nicole Lofty-Eaton playing in the men's team and his mum's an umpire. You know, th- there's quite a lot of family connection all around in, in Namibian cricket, but especially, you know, what's the links between the men's and women's teams in terms of working together and, and supporting each other? That has taken some time to sort of like, you know, um, being brought together as, as one sport because you, you don't want like the men and the women always to be a different kind of a level or like we're doing our own thing, you're doing your thing. Um, so obviously everyone tries to to support one another at games and to have um, little events held together where the men and the ladies can, can join. I think that's important as um, instead of being labeled as as two different teams obviously everyone is at the specific level um the men is doing quite well going to the world cup this year where we are obviously also st- uh, striving to, to to get that to that point and i mean us all of us we're getting getting well quite along with the men um and you always try and 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 support and and yeah where you can well, you mentioned the men going, going to the World Cup, and of course they're in the World Cup League Two ODI status, which they they they, they won back in in front of our eyes. Well, some of our eyes. I, we, I was over having to watch the uh, the funeral that was the uh, the Hong Kong Canada game, but um, that brings with it funding and support and professionalism on the on the men's side. What what's what does the future look like? Do you think from a, a women's point of view? And is there something in the short midterm where there's going to be something similar to to underpin the the growth and development of the women's game? Yeah, obviously. I mean, that's one of the the key things that you want to. When I get for, for the women eventually is um, actually to have a few players contracted. And again, that's where we as women want to play a big part, obviously, because um, you don't want just want to piggyback on the men and, and their funding help you eventually. And I think that's where also we try and work as hard as we can to sort of get to that level and, and get qualifications and things going so that we earn our own money, I want to say, to be able to, to get a few contracted players. Um, and that's again where, where Francois came in because um, they've um, initiated this um, idea of adopt a player. You know, to they've sent out this uh, big campaign to to big companies in in, in Namibia, trying to to get um, some funding for some of the girls. You know, just to cover some general expenses and medical costs and and equipment and stuff. Um, so that's one of the, the the big things that we're we're trying to to get going um, with with the ladies as well. Obviously, it takes time. These things don't happen overnight. Um, maybe by the time that I'm I'm finished, it's not going to be up and running yet. But 
I mean, for those under me who are quite young, still 20s, in their 20s, that opportunity might um, might come down for them. Do you look around the world and Brazil were the first first country to contract their, their women's team before the men, the support for Thailand? And I, I'm not just talking about the contracts themselves, but do you look around the world and see, oh, geez, I think we could we could be, be like them or there are certain things that you pick out that have done really well that would translate well to, to help your team develop? I mean, definitely. I think, um, obviously, we're because we're a smaller, smaller nation. But I mean, that's where Thailand also is sort of an inspiration. Um, I just think it, it comes down to how much passion you have for the game, and then just growing the sport immensely. And then also stuff like this weekend, you know, being live streamed, um, people seeing what's going on. Players, one or two players, can be identified. So obviously, I know the the the, the cricketing brains of Cricket Namibia are working hard to. Uh, to get something going there. And it's not about, in that case, not just about the men. It's all about, the you know, they want to get the ladies part of, of that as well. But I think at the end of the day, you need to look at your own um, little space. Um, you can get some ideas from the other countries. Um, but I mean, everyone is in their own little boat and you have to to, to get out there some way. Now, you, you mentioned those, um, the adopt the player idea and... Um I couldn't help but notice around when I watched your match, you know, there was a lot of those uh, banner ads around the edge of the ground. And so clearly sponsorship has been uh, a priority uh, within the, the current setup. You know, how, how is that being worked on? And, you know, what, how are you sort of building those links between cricket and the corporate sector, I guess, in, in Namibia? Um, well, that's basically why the idea behind this weekend also was um, to get the the, the, the ladies game out there um, to show people what the game is about, um, to showcase yourself, to, to, you know, to look professional as obviously that is a, a sort of a, a guide to, to, to let people see what the women's game is about. And obviously with, with COVID having an effect on, on everybody um, financially and, and your big corporate guys, you can't expect everyone to, to throw money at the team or at players or whatever, but it's all about um, showing them what we can do. Um, and at the end of the day, just, um, I mean, it's on something on paper. It doesn't look as promising as um, you can actually be seen on the field. And that's why we try to to get this thing going this weekend, just to showcase, you know, what, what we're standing for, what you do in the nets every day, that it's not just about um, a little... PowerPoint presentation, and but they could actually see what's what's going on this weekend. Yeah, and that's you're definitely preaching to the choir when it comes to streaming and the the positive effects that it has. And I think that's that's something that we're really looking forward to seeing all of the pathway events being streamed. And again, for you guys going to Botswana and us knowing, well, as much as we'd like to go go to Botswana as well, <laughs> um, or in case if we're not there, that we can watch that that being streamed as well. It's such a huge thing. But no, it, it, it sounds like things are just moving in, in, in such a good direction. As funny as you're talking about, you know, we're in our, in our own little boat. You know, it's always interesting hearing the different challenges amongst the associates, but how, how everyone sort of looks and, and learns from each other but, and, and always sees each other as, as siblings, but knowing there's still so much on the line for example you know Botswana one team of 11 goes through but you're probably going to make friends there for life in the meantime um yeah and I think it's always about um you you always try and learn from one another and yeah it's 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 going to be a bit of a challenge but I mean it's always that's that's what life is about you don't want to have an easy way into into something yeah so you can just always work harder and and get better at it 
So who are the young players to watch that are, are coming through? You've got qualifiers in, geez, six months. You know, it's, that's, <laughs> it, it was so, so far away. It feels like it's been 10 years since we've seen contextual yeah. cricket. But who, who should we be keeping an eye on? Apart from yourself, of, of course, but we'll say the, 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 young, the younger players. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd rather go for the youngsters. Um, well, with um, well, the 24 that played over the weekend, there was, I mean, a young girl by the name of Kaylee van Weyck, who I've only seen the first time last week. And I mean, even though she's only 16, her, her pathway into the senior squad might, might not be that far. But obviously, girls like that, you want to still nurture, but and, and not throw her into the deep end that quickly. Um, and then even uh, someone like Arasta Dierhardt, who opened the bowling with me, uh, she's been coming along the ranks. And even Sylvia um, Shehepu, I think they are always sort of a, a threat to, to, to any team on the day. And then batting wise, obviously, um, if Yasmin comes down on the day, she can really be like a... I almost want to say, um, what is the lady from, from India, the opener, the new young girl? Shafali Verma? Shafali Verma, yeah, she can be like a Shafali. I mean, hitting the ball very hard. I mean, Kayleen, if she gets on the day. Um, so there are, I mean, there's, there's quite a few of them that really put their hands up. And it's just about getting that confidence going whenever you play international games and, and just going out there and expressing yourself. But so there are really, the, the, the youngsters are coming through. It was really nice to see last weekend and this weekend that um, some of them are putting up their hands. And um, it's now more like um, that you're in the squad and, and it's, it's, it's set in stone. So everybody is working very hard now. You can lose your place very quickly to someone coming up very, very quickly through the ranks. Now, this is something that I've, I've given you prior warning for, so you, you should have had some time to think about. Um, and it's one that we ask all of our guests. And it is, of course, if you could change one of the laws of cricket, what would it be and why? I had a bit of a think about it. And I would say the fact that you cannot have a runner um, when you're injured and, and you're batting. Oh, bring back runners. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, I feel sometimes like, um, I mean, you're still able to hit the ball so why can't you just have someone to run the runs for you <laughs> i know yeah it, it can uh, it has a bit of a confusion obviously equation as well but that's something that i would actually change is um to bring back the runner into the game i mean i'm i'm all for runners just because it's always funny to see them everyone getting mixed up and running yeah. the wrong person and that, so that's exactly. that's always great cricket <laughs> yeah. what i need to, i need to stay in my crease but i'm not i'm Oh, yeah. oh, that's good. Something practical. We get so many people, oh, you know, ban the reverse sweep or no leg buys. This is something. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I get the feeling this is something that was really introduced for international cricket to sort of level the playing field and not allow an Ajuna Ranatunga to say he's got a cramp <laughs> and bring on a Hassan Tilakaratna. Yes, I'm still bitter about Sri Lanka beating Australia <laughs> in 1995-96 and then in the World Cup. But... You know, I think it's one of those things that don't necessarily filter down to the local game as well, because if someone's injured and still wants to be able to be able to play, the participation should still be there. They should still be able to be part of a game, especially when, as you said, Nick, someone else can be involved. That and there's a real thinking. I'm sure all of us that have played cricket at some stage have either been a runner or had one, and and there's <laughs> an element an element to the game that you never have practiced in your life, and all of a sudden you've got to get used to uh, calling to either someone who's standing out at square leg or as the injured batter, you know, knowing to stand and then one play, I, I think it's uh, no, that's a good one. That's an it's uh, it's a un- unique one as well. I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's almost like it's not like something that you're gonna 
um, train or practice every day. It's almost like a relay team at school being put together within a, a day or two. So it's, it's not like you have this massive advantage. It's just like you still hit the ball. It's just maybe someone slower might even run for you, depending on who's out already. So maybe you should allow the other team to select who the runner is. Of, of the people, <laughs> That's a good one. You know, see, as opposed to, you want to run it a bit like if there's an injury or a bowler gets taken off for a second uh, high full toss. I think the batting team should be able to pick there. But, you know, I'll tell you what, that would be, you talk about the one percenters, but that would be the point one percenters, wouldn't it, that you'd be training for, right? I'm just going to do my acting as a runner training now. You know, it's like <laughs> true special team mentality. Yeah. <laughs> well, Irene, Fun sale. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Emerging Cricket Podcast. And thank you so much for sharing a lot of interesting information about uh, Namibian women's cricket and the game more generally over in that part of the world. Thank you, guys. Nick and Tim, thanks for having me. And now, now both of you can, can actually go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is nice. Hi, I'm Kevin O'Brien. You're listening to the Emerging Cricket Podcast. A huge thank you again to Inane Van Zell for joining us on the show. That's everything in the emerging game you need to know for this week. To keep up with Nepal's tri-series with Malaysia and the Netherlands, make sure to follow Emerging Cricket wherever you are on social media and to log on to EmergingCricket.com. We'll have bumper coverage of the entire tournament, so make sure to stay with us. From everyone here at Emerging Cricket, Tim Cutler, Nick Skinner, myself, Daniel Bezik, and the rest of the Emerging Cricket team, see you next week.